0: family. It's so good to be able to meet with you all in your homes this week as we continue in our series together as we're studying community and what it means to walk that out in such a weird time. Since you guys are my community I want to share a very honest vulnerable moment with you all and confess that I had a dumb kid moment this week. See I know in the past people probably did tell me that windshield wipers were to be replaced yearly. I just never listened. I never seemed to have the money for wipers whenever I saw them at Costco each year. So I found myself this past week driving down an old country road with no street lights, in a minivan full of people I love, pouring rain, and zero visibility because my five-year-old wipers just had maxed out and they were just smearing everything. When, by the grace of God, we made it to the nearest Walmart, 15 miles away, there suddenly was no price too high for a pair of wipers. That experience had, uh, you know, really done a number on me, and my priorities for wipers had shifted because I finally understood their value. As silly as the story is, the truth of that statement reigns through it because value shifts our priorities by defining what matters. And as we're continuing in our metric on community through the series together, we cannot deny that to be a devoted community, we are called to sacrificial material giving. The subject of possessions and generosity is uncomfortable though. I feel it. You feel it. Some of you may have been tempted to turn off this video at this point, and it's because there's a lot of wounding in the area of money and the church. There's also this deep-seated tradition of believing that finances are correlated to favor from God, and conversely, correlated to disfavor from God. There exists a devotion in our culture to money, possessions, and achievement at all costs, but we're called to be a community devoted to God, and to one another. And God has a vested interest in seeing our whole selves trust him fully, which includes trusting him with our possessions, property, resources, and money. So even though it's a hard conversation, I would like to invite you to join me as we look to the early church and see what it looks like to live as people with open hands. See, last week we discerned a need to live with open eyes so that we could see the needs of one another spiritually, but also physically, and I want to invite you to look at Maslow's hierarchy with me. This chart is a tool used in psychology and finance management, surprisingly, and it shows how the needs of people are categorized so that we can move towards self-actualization or becoming the fullness of who we were made to be. But the principles of this chart tell us that you cannot reach one tier of the hierarchy without first meeting the needs in the levels preceding it. Typically, spiritual needs are met in the top three tiers. But the first two tiers are purely physical needs, and everything within those two tiers cost money to be achieved. What this tells us is that we cannot begin to speak to the spiritual needs of people without first meeting their physical needs. But even as we're meeting the people's physical needs, it is not without his spiritual power. See, when we ask for open eyes to see the needs of people around us, we have to be willing to have open hands to meet their physical needs. Open hands are an act of worship to a giving God. We know that scripture calls us to be freely and fully given in regards to the elements of the kingdom, and we trust Jesus wholeheartedly as the source for those things. But this same calling permeates over our resources and possessions as well yet we hesitate to buy in fully. Oftentimes, when we feel prompted or led to give, we look to logic first, and we dampen the sound of his calling with our cries to hold on to the things that make us feel comforted, secure, established. And it's at the expense of people experiencing the value of Jesus' life. Living with open hands declares to the people around us that nothing in the world compares to the value of following Jesus, and that our priorities are shifted to reflect it. As we are freely and fully given to meet spiritual needs, we also must be freely and fully given to meet the physical needs of one another. Open hands are an act of worship to a giving God, and they overflow into the life change of others. See, the early church in Acts lived a practiced lifestyle of open hands. In Acts 2.45, it says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And we learned three things about this open hands lifestyle in a devoted community from this one verse. So let's start at the end of the verse together. The first thing we learn is that the devoted community was quick in action. They responded to the need in front of them before it became great. Luke, in his description, says need that they were not people in need. They were not people in great need. See, the response flowed from the devoted community's open eyes lifestyle, and they were faithful to respond to the prompting and the revelation of God to join his work, whatever it looked like, spiritual or physical. Living with open hands requires that we begin with open hands to God. Everything we give is a response to his prompting Otherwise, we worship ourselves for the results instead of praising God for his invitation. See, results cannot be our definition of success. Otherwise, we eliminate the aspect of free will from God's invitation to life change. God honors our faithfulness to respond to his promptings. He is in charge of the results. We just get to give him our yes. So we live with hands open to God, trusting him for direction, ready to receive his instruction, and faithful to give so that others might know the value of his life to us. Second, we learn that the devoted community was indiscriminate in their action. The passage we are studying in this series talks about two groups of people, every soul and all believers. In this verse, Luke is careful to mention that the devoted community gave to anyone who had need, not just believers, not just those who are in extreme poverty, not just those that they were outreaching to, not just those that they were discipling, anyone who had need. A few weeks ago, Pastor Tim defined devotion as acting in lovingness and loyalty to one another. Because for someone to have to ask when they are in need, it requires vulnerability and humility. And we do not humiliate the people that we love. See, I think about my brothers and my sisters. I think about the people I'm living in community with. And if one of them was in need, I would be embarrassed if they had to come to me to ask. I would feel like I had not been paying attention to their need. Like I had missed something. Like I wasn't looking closely or listening well. I want my community to know that they can ask without fear of refusal. But I also want to be the kind of person in community who gives before their need arises or becomes great. See, we're called to give to anyone with that same integrity of character, because shame is a tool of Satan. And when we meet the physical needs of people without humiliation, we restore the dignity they have as children of God. We restore the value God gave them and invite them to experience the value of his life. When you are devoted to the family of God, you are devoted to the mission of God. And God is not exclusive in his mission, he is inclusive. The only thing exclusive is the method of his mission, and it's exclusive to Jesus, but the reception of God's mission is inclusive to all. We are to be indiscriminate in our giving so that people might experience an opportunity for life change. We are called to have open hands for anyone. Third, we learn that the devoted community was unreserved in action. Nothing was held back. And this verse describes how they sold possessions and property to meet the needs of anyone around them. But when is the first thought ever to start by selling things? This means that they had already gone through their savings. They had already gone through their at-hand resources, and they were now giving beyond what was readily available. They were creative in their generosity. Their giving was sacrificial, and it was done with glad and sincere hearts. Their open hands were an act of worship to a giving God, and they were met with opportunities to join God in his work of life change. There was a man named George Mueller who lived in England, and he, had, he was known for rescuing thousands, I mean thousands of orphans from slave labor in England by building homes, orphanages, and providing for, their needs of, for the needs of every single child from educational to emotional to physical to spiritual. And his entire ministry was funded completely by men and women being faithful to the promptings of God to give to Mueller's cause. Mueller didn't just receive from these promptings, though. Mueller was also faithful to respond to these own promptings in his life. He was known for giving money and resources to other ministries, to other missions, to other causes, even though his own cause was in desperate need. He knew that as as faithful as others were to the promptings of God, so he must be surrendered to those same promptings as well. He writes of it like this, either we trust in God, and in that case we neither trust in ourselves, nor in our fellow man, nor in our circumstances, nor in anything besides, or we do trust in one or more of these, and in that case we do not trust in God. Open hands are an act of worship to a giving God, so we must be unreserved in our offering to him. There can be no holds on what we are willing to give and no reservations in our trust of him, because from a posture of surrender, we are able to give fully, freely, creatively, and beyond what we own, because we value the life of Jesus and the cost of following him is worthy of all we have to give. Surrender to God only on the throne of our lives is the only way we can live with open hands in all things. It means that we do not trust in our own ability to provide. It means we do not look for others to step in when need arises so as to protect our own interests or to receive from them first. It means we are not owned by our money, our possessions, or our property. It means that we are fully given, fully given to God and our priorities reflect his value. Nothing is more important to God than to see that none of his children remain lost. A lifestyle of open hands communally overflows from a life of surrender personally. But surrender isn't as simple as it sounds. It's not like it's just one step. So how do we just let go? See, giving is an opportunity to be part of what God is doing. So we must be honest as we reflect personally to discern why our priorities match or don't match what God has placed value in. The Spirit of God is able to move where we are surrendered. He can't move through clenched fists. Open hands are an act of worship to a giving God. So be honest and ask yourself, where are your hands clenched? Are you holding back from surrender and trusting instead in your labor, your friends to step in, or for fate to just turn things about? Are you practiced in giving to one group of people more than another? Do you close your hands based on who is receiving what God has prompted you to give? Do you doubt God's voice when he invites you into the work that he is doing? Do you wait for logic, reason, passion, or relationship to determine when you should act? The thing about surrender is you can't surrender something you don't own. Surrender starts and moves with honesty in his presence. We have to be honest about the cost of following Jesus. You cannot be honest about the cost of following Jesus, though, if you have not experienced the value of following Jesus. Sacrificial giving, it costs us heavily, but it does not ever exceed the worth of following Jesus. Value of his life shifts our priorities to be defined by what matters to him. It is only when we experience the weight of his value that we are shaped to care for the things that he cares about above all else the weight of his life is felt in his death and experienced in his resurrection.